you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar with and challenged to write fan fiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, add a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fan fiction written by non-fans. It's sham fiction. This week's author is Marcus. Hey guys, Marcus here. Hey, what do you got for me today? Because I want to do some sham writing. Well, I'm glad you do, Marcus, because uh, today we're going to do something really fun. uh, Because we're doing a Wes Anderson film for you. Wes Anderson Spider-Man? Because I saw that trailer and it looked pretty Wes Anderson. That wasn't really, uh, (laughs) I hate to break it to you, but that was fake. Oh, Uh, So, no. Uh, this is going to be uh, one of my favorites of his, actually, which is a probably controversial thing to say. Uh, the Darjeeling Limited. Ooh. Which is... is that the I, one with the train? That is the one with the train. I saw the commercial for that one back in... What year did I see that commercial in? Probably 2007. 2007. Yep. yep. Good guess. Top of mind. Yeah, good guess. Okay. Um, because you've seen Wes Anderson movies, right? I've seen... I think that's the only one I haven't seen. Well, that's perfect then. So you know kind of the style, you know the, the filmmaker and the writer... You just don't know this particular story. And this yes. this is fun just because we love it. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you just some, some basics about it. So Wes Anderson did direct it, and he wrote it. Uh, and it was co-written by Roman Coppola and Jason Schwartzman, oh. which is fun. And it stars Owen Wilson. Aren't they all Coppolas? They are, actually. Uh, Jason Schwartzman? Schwartzman? Yeah, he's a, he's he is. a cousin. Um, and isn't Wes Anderson a Coppola? I no. don't he's no, not. I don't think okay. he is. No, no. relation. No, they're just friends, I guess. Gotcha. Just best buds. Uh, the movie stars Owen Wilson. Adrian oh, wow. Brody and exactly oh, wow <laughs> oh wow <laughs> Adrian Brody and also Jason Schwartzman so there's your there's your main three uh, and then we have short appearances and cameos by the likes of Angelica Houston Amara Karan Wallace Wolodarski where uh, what is his name Waris Alwalia you got it and Natal- <laughs> Natalia <laughs> Natalie Portman makes a brief appearance <laughs> very brief and Bill Murray makes a brief okay, appearance okay I was hoping yep no he's gotta be in there but he doesn't I think he says one line in the thing I think he says that's my train yeah that's, that's the only, his only line, line. Nice. In, uh, from Bill Murray uh, as, as we said it was released in 2007 uh, and you can get it on all rental streaming services so your amazon video google play youtube itunes all that uh or you can buy it on dvd and blu-ray and the, it's available from the criterion collection Andrew's does that mean it's on hulu it is not on hulu no oh. i don't think many of the wes anderson ones are there unfortunately okay. i didn't um, even but, know this was a thing they have criterion on hulu yeah, oh, yeah. they do it's an awesome That's resource really cool. um but yeah Check out the Criterion Edition. It is beautiful. Of course it is. plenty of lovely supplements. Oh my, oh my. So the genre, I would say, is Wes Anderson. Okay. Um, <laughs> so so it, everyone should talk at one level and at one pace for the entire film. That would be appropriate. <laughs> you know, it, you it. it would work. Um, so it's got a lot of drama in it, but it's a lot of it is played for laughs, so it is comedic. Um, and this one is an adventure because of, uh, of, of the setup that we'll get to in a minute. Uh, and why do we love it? Man, Eric, this one kind of has a special place in your and my heart, um, our collective heart. Your shared heart. <laughs> our shared our heart. Heart of hearts. Um, because we went to go see this together in the early college days uh, with uh, the old MSUM Synethusiasts That's group. Right. That's weird. I, I remember I was I was in college at the time. Why why was I not invited? <laughs> you don't. I don't know. You were a punk. You were a punk freshman kid, and we were a couple of cool dudes sophomores at the oh, time. Yeah. I mean, sure, it was nine years ago, but I'm 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 really hurt. <laughs> Good. Yeah, so we saw this together with this group of film students, you know, and it was just, it was the first Wes Anderson movie I saw in the theater. I think maybe we both. Really? First really? Time. No, no, no. My first one I saw was uh, Life Aquatic. Oh, you did This was that. probably okay. the second one I had seen in theaters that mm-hmm. I was around when it was actually released. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was the one that came out when I was in college. So. Yeah. Yeah, so this one, this one kind of gets dropped near the bottom of the list with most Wes Anderson fans in, yeah. in, in terms of their favorites. But, man, do Eric and I disagree with that. Oh, my, yes. Um, this is one of 
my personal favorites, and Eric can speak a little bit more to his taste, but man, I, I love this. I think his choice to set it in India just just completely works with the Wes Anderson aesthetic. Just yeah. So richly. Like, it intertwines. It feels like this guy should had has been making movies in India since the beginning. It was it was so beautiful. It's a nice well fit. Done. Yeah, and I mean, this was the one... Uh, it was a huge in- influence for me because, like I said, this came out when we were in college, when we were, when we were in film school. I did uh, at least... I did a project on it in a, in a writing class in college. Um, this was kind of the first Wes Anderson film that I could... I saw that I could point to it as like oh this is the work of an auteur uh wes anderson i know it's a good word uh, marcus is shaking his head he hates that word i guess uh, <laughs> i know it's a pretentious thing to say but it is so true uh and so i this is the first chance i got to really be able to study this guy and study his craft and study his storytelling and so it has a, has a i have a soft spot for it um but it's it's wes anderson what's not to love I don't know. If, if I was a fan of uh, Dutch angles or shots made at a 45-degree angle, no, you, you just, then I wouldn't love no, it. Exactly. No, you sure wouldn't. <laughs> nope. None of that at all. Which, so, for you non-film aficionados at home, Wes Anderson is known for having shots that are framed either straight on, people looking straight in the direction of the camera, mm-hmm. or at a 90-degree angle and profile. Yeah, yep. lot, lots of really good camera moves. So I'm going to write some good camera moves. Yeah, you my, better. Into mm-hmm. my pro script. I would say, mm-hmm. this is pros, remember? <laughs> yeah, so Andrew, um, the, Wes Anderson, what what makes a Wes Anderson? I know I know Marcus has seen a ton of them, so he probably has the vocabulary in his head. Mm-hmm. But was there any like basics that you could point at for what makes a good Wes Anderson movie? A lot of it, and this again, I want to keep this within the realm of prose, what you can pull off in the prose, because a lot of what you said, Wes Anderson's, um, uh, you know, authorial mark is visual. visual. Mm -hmm. So you don't have any of that, okay? But what you can pick up is in the, I think we're going to get into it. These, the characters in this film are Wes Anderson characters. They are even kind of like archetypal Wes Anderson characters. Um, So we'll get to those in a bit, in a minute, but also details, setting. I think you should be very scrupulous in your detail of wherever you are. Make it colorful, make it whimsical, um, and just kind of hit these things. Like the, the 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 environment is a big part of the Wes Anderson aesthetic. And one thing, and we maybe get to this a little bit later with kind of the challenge for this specific piece. I personally think you should write this objectively. I do not think you should go into the characters' heads. You do have it completely that, you, out you of- have the choice to not go that route but the characters themselves do not see the environment in the same way that we do they would not be paying as close attention to the stuff around them whereas the filmmaker wes anderson does yeah where we wouldn't or they wouldn't appreciate the uh, beautiful setting of a marketplace with colorful spices and and people and amazing uh, robes running around and playing soccer they might not necessarily appreciate that but we as mm-hmm. the viewer do appreciate that exactly. because the filmmaker appreciated it that's a that's a very good point mm-hmm. yeah and the characters i mean you know wes anderson dialogue you know yes. how that goes. Uh, but uh, these characters, as with all Wes Anderson characters, they have darkness inside of them. They are troubled. So they have, they have, they have uh, deep-set problems that they are trying to come to grips with uh, universally. <laughs> Everybody, even the small characters, have this kind of dark side that we get glimpses of that they're struggling through. So I'm just going to get into the plot here of Darjeeling Limited. Let's Please. do it. Yeah, so this uh, this story is about three brothers, the Whitman brothers, uh, who reunite in India a year after the death of their father. They were they are estranged. They haven't seen each other for a year. They reunite in India. Um, the eldest brother Francis, he has a very uh, complicated spiritual journey planned for the for yeah. the other two brothers. Um, he's planned this out, and he wants to reconnect with them. But he also has ulterior motives, which is something we can get into. And this is where I'm going to say, guys, spoiler alert. Yes. Because we're talking about a movie. It's hard to talk about a movie without spoiling at least some of it. Um, so the spoiler I'm going to give away here is that, uh, Fran- is that uh, Francis is secretly... Uh, guiding them all to reconnect with their uh, estranged mother, who is apparently in India. Yep. Uh, and we can get to that a little bit later. 
yeah. Marcus. So you're saying that these people are meeting in India, they're having a reuniting in India. Mm-hmm. You're saying that like it's a strange thing. Are these people who are from America who are doing something in India? What what is their background? Good. Where did they live? Good point. Yeah, no, these these guys are Americans. Um, I believe they're uh, East Coast guys. Yeah, New York, New mm-hmm. York. Um, they're a this family, the Whitman family. They're very well to do. It's very apparent by the way they dress, the way they act. They don't seem to necessarily have jobs, or if they do have jobs, it's the sort of job where it's they're very well paying and they don't really have to worry about money. Yeah, and it's, it seems their that. their father was also very rich. So when the father died, I think they all got a good chunk of cash. Okay. Um, and uh, like the youngest brother Jack, he's been living in hotels, really nice hotels in Europe. This entire time. It's the most Wes Anderson-y thing you could say. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's go through these brothers. Uh, Andrew, you want to you wanna kick it off with Francis? Yeah, let's start with Francis since we've already brought him up. This is uh, Francis is played by Owen Wilson. Wow. wow. Um, so Francis, yes, yeah, so he is the puppet master of all of this. Mm-hmm. He has orchestrated, like Eric said, this very convoluted, complicated travel plan for them. He has a very specific itinerary that oh, they yes. need to keep to. And in fact, he has an assistant with them to keep <laughs> track of the art- yeah, itinerary. and like a fun reveal. <laughs> kind of book everything ahead of time, who is supposed to stay out of sight. Yes. Uh, my assistant, Brandon, who will, who is completely invisible, you will never see him on this trip. Yeah, he's <laughs> exactly. like laminates. He's got a laminating machine with him, and he makes these itineraries for them every day. So the key <laughs> detail about Francis that you see appearance-wise is he is covered in bandages. He was recently in a motorcycle accident that almost killed him. And so he has just these, like, wraparound bandages on his head, on his nose. Just He just looks yeah. like crap. <laughs> looks like hell. Um, Some teeth got knocked out. It's, yep. it's, it's not a pretty thing. Yep. <laughs> and he is very controlling, as you can probably imagine, based on this whole itinerary thing. But he's controlled controlling of the brothers he's the eldest he has a very he takes he has a very like maternal instinct towards them mm-hmm. um and he wants to control every aspect of the trip he doesn't want he takes their phones he takes their passports because he wants to have control over them to keep them with him and take him take them on this yeah, trip. under the guise of, of being like the the parent in yeah. the situation just like oh you know give me your passport so i can keep so i can uh, protect them yeah. basically but it extends to the fact that, like, he answers for them when things are asked of the group. He doesn't consult them at all. He will answer. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're in the dining car, in the train, he just orders for everybody at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't consult the other brothers at all. Yeah, Peter just, will take the chicken. Jack will take the fish. Yeah, that sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, he's the eldest. Let's go on to the middle child, Eric. Yeah, so this is Peter. Peter's the middle child. He is played by Adrian Brody. Um, he is, uh, just like the other brother, Jack, who we'll talk about, is, uh, resentful of Francis. They, they joined him out in, uh, India for this trip, but they don't, he doesn't necessarily want to be there. Um, he has a, a wife, Alice, back home, who is pregnant, who is, uh, going to be giving birth very soon, it sounds like, and he is having these doubts about himself, about his ability to be a father, about his ability to be, uh, a husband, and I think it all, all stems back to his issues with, uh, their father, who passed away a year back. Um, so he's kind of got, he's kind of got some, some daddy issues. Of course, I think they all do. Um, but he is, uh, this has manifested itself in that he's taken a lot of the dead father's possessions. So it is like <laughs> revealed that he's been wearing these glasses this whole trip. They're like kind of, you know, uh, tinted glasses, but they're prescription. They're the dad's prescription. Like he doesn't need them, but he's wearing them constantly. I think he's got a belt of the fathers. And I think a few other trinkets mm-hmm. here or there revealed that like, this is dad's. How'd you get this? Why do you have this? Why didn't we get any of this stuff? Cause he just took it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he's conspiring uh, with Jack, the younger brother, against Francis. Like, mm-hmm. they're often, if Francis is away, they're talking amongst themselves and be like, hey, we got to get out of here. That's definitely happening a lot with Peter and Jack, mm-hmm. but that is happening constantly with all That's true. three That's brothers. True. They are constantly, two will have an aside while the third one is away. 
And this is happening with all of them. So yeah. they're all keeping secrets from the others. So Jack and Francis against Peter. Peter and Francis against Jack. Exactly. Okay. There's Absolutely. no loyalty to Not any two, you know? Yeah, there's like... always <laughs> at least one thing held from one of them. Exactly. Yeah, nobody has the full picture because they just don't trust each other in that way. And that's a big theme in it that we, we don't trust each other. And we're brothers. We should trust each other. Yeah, I think, like, with Alice being pregnant, I don't think Peter tells Francis until later. Yeah. Like, he tells Jack right away, but he's like, yeah, Alice is pregnant. Yeah, she's going to have the baby soon. Don't tell Francis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Peter is definitely mourning the father the most. Mm-hmm. Like, outwardly with these items, these totems of his father. For Um, sure. But uh, the others are mourning in a different way. Yeah, and last we have Jack, who is Jason Schwartzman, the youngest, uh, rocking a cool mustache in this film. Um, Jack is interesting because he seems like, I'd have to say, he's probably the worst person. At least it, at least it seems <laughs> like. It's interesting you say that. Well, I just I think he's he's got these weird issues and that he kind of uses people. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's obsessed with this ex girlfriend who's played by Natalie Portman. Um, we see her for like a second in this movie at the very end, but there is a, a companion uh, short film to that plays before Darjeeling, Darjeeling Limited called Hotel Chevalier, uh-huh. where it's just about Jack uh, having this. Um, getting together with uh, Natalie Portman at a hotel in yep. Paris. Uh, I think it's Paris. Somewhere in yep, France. Yep, it's, it's Paris. It's called Hotel Chevalier. Um, and he... It's just... It's a screwed up relationship. He's like obsessed with this girl, but the relationship doesn't work. Um, and yet throughout this movie, he's like having flings with like the stewardess on the train. Uh, he just... He doesn't seem to have his... He's kind of he's lady crazy. Yeah. Like, absolutely, yeah. You can tell that this is the sort of guy that just is a hopeless romantic. He falls in love with any hot lady that he sees. Anybody that he sees as, like, an object of desire. What was Natalie Portman's character's name? I don't even know. Uh, I don't remember. Princess Amidala. There you go. Yeah, Queen. There you go. Queen. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, but, yeah, it's not important, I don't think, just because if, if they're going to talk about her, he'll just say her. Okay, you know, and the brothers know who he's talking about yeah, absolutely. because it's been—it's very clear that they have a long history together. Yeah, and this obsession exactly uh, goes uh, is part of part of Jack's thing on this trip is that he's planning on leaving. He wants to get out uh, of India. He wants to leave his brothers because he he's going to go meet this girl in in uh, Italy. Natalie Portman. Uh, yes. And like I said, he's been living in hotels in Europe for the last year, so this makes total sense. Um, and uh, another fun thing about Jack is that he's an aspiring writer. He uh, he writes short stories, and we get a little a little piece of his writing in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of his stuff is at least uh, is very thinly veiled autobiography. Everything he writes is something that specifically happened to he and his brothers, but he'll change the names. The brothers will see right through it, but he'll claim that, no, this is fiction. But it's not. (laughs) That's one of my favorite parts. Like, they just say, I like the part where you were mean to her. And he's like, my characters are based in fiction. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which is a perfect Wes Anderson sort of thing. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, so Tone. Yeah, Tone, this is a Wes Anderson joint. Um, these characters are all very sad and complex and uh, monotoned. Everything is very internalized. Again, that's a big reason why I want you to, it's as, much, as much as you can, keep it on the outside because there should be suggestion of what they're feeling, what their inner life is, but we never really get that complex nature on the inside. They mm-hmm. hide it with that veil of monotony and just kind of sadness and melancholy um but the other big thing is that this is about family this is these three brothers trying to connect and just failing to do so over and over because they're all so selfish oh my yes and and you know francis is controlling and and jack just kind of like lives like a writer he's very outside of things looking in and constantly kind of lives his life kind of like a playboy Mm -hmm. you know feels that he doesn't have much responsibility peter is the same way you know but he has a wife he has commitments that he's made and he's failing them um and is and is that and and he is very aware of that i would say jack is less aware of it Peter is very aware that he's doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But the feel of this thing, we highly recommend 
that you listen to some of the music from this to kind of get yourself in the mood. There are bits of score. Other, I don't think there is much original score in the movie. He ta- he has taken bits of score, samples of scores from like Indian, like Bollywood films okay. and uh, Satyajit Ray films, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, Indian like neo realism from the sixties. Um, yeah, and he and uh, Wes Anderson has said that it, the work of Satyajit Ray was very influential when writing this that he had seen like documentaries about India and seen a lot of these films by Ray and uh, that really that really uh, that really plays into the script so listening to those scores is great there's stuff from the kinks there's stuff from Rolling Stones like you'd expect from a Wes Anderson film um, so while you're writing there are playlists online Darjeeling Limited uh, like on YouTube even mm-hmm. just like look sure. up a playlist and there'll be the score there and you'll kind of get this vibe which is uh, very very cool speaks to the location especially of India so this piece more than any is a fish out of water piece so you have these three brothers that the only reason they are in India that India is the place that Francis chose is because again unbeknownst to the other two brothers they're looking for mom Francis is leading them to their mother. That's the only reason they're in India. They do not care about India. So there's all, like, India, you know, it's such a rich country, and it's so populated. These rich three, in, in color and, and, yes, and detail, these three, not necessarily rich in money. Yeah, no, like, this, 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 these three rich, that's a, good, that's a good thing that you said that. These three guys, these three white guys are walking around in India going on this spiritual quest that none of them care about. They're visiting temples along the way, you know, praying. Yeah, they're getting off the train here and there, visiting towns, uh, spending a lot of money in their markets buying uh, shoes and belts and whatever else rich people But they're also buy. really ca- caring about, like, their their technology. Like, they, like, are looking for batteries power and power adapters. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they spend a lot of time worried about their own concerns, even though they're in this these beautiful temples, Yeah, you know? And, and, and yeah, that's the thing. It is a spiritual journey. So they're going through and like like tourists doing the spiritual things that you do so there are all these you know hindu temples that they're going to and they're praying and they're ringing the bells and they're getting the the dot on their forehead and they're doing all these uh like india guidebook sort of spiritual uh adventures that you're supposed to do and yet none of them really care about that stuff you know they're going through the motions and doing the thing because they feel like well that's what we're here for i guess Right, but they're they're too shallow to really be able to appreciate what those things actually mean. And they think those things are going to do all the work for them. You know, right. they're trying to reconnect, but they themselves aren't putting anything out. They're expecting to go to these temples and everything to be magically solved. Yeah, they're going to find enlightenment because they went on this thing. Um, so another key point, um, like little trope thing that's always around, is that they have their father's eleven-piece yes. luggage set with yes. them at all times so as eric points out here in the notes there is literal baggage from their father that is with them the whole time Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they are carrying so when they get off the train they're carting around 11 pieces of luggage it's not them carrying anything of course it's going to be they have a team of of indian men with carts and and buggies with this huge stack of of matched luggage is it the same people who have been hired to kind of take them along the entire journey no, there's just basically like if local. they get off on the on a train station, you just you know you have this whole whole stack of luggage. Yeah. Of course, when they're visiting these towns and temples, they're not necessarily unpacking; they're always getting back on the train. Right. That's why it's the movie's called the Darjeeling Limited because that's the name of the train. Ah. Makes sense, and and we don't know where in India it is. I don't think they really ever specify, but this part of India is kind of arid and desert-like. Um, so it's very hot. The the color palette of the movie is very yellow, very warm, and so you can feel that heat for sure. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's India. Nobody speaks their language, and they're not like like we were said. Not, they're not putting any forth any effort to really learn or to be part of the culture that is there. Right. Um, but uh, that's kind of where the comedy comes in, because although this is all very dramatic, what's happening to these brothers? Um, everything plays for comedy because they do stick out like a sore thumb in this place. They do not belong there, which is fantastic. So I think that's that's really the basics. Um, if you need to know any more details about um, the mother that they're looking for, she is apparently living in a convent. Okay. Um, so there's like a, a, I don't know, it's just a Christian. Um, yep, it it's, it's like with other nuns and they're teaching kids and... 
it's that sort of setting somewhere in the mountains yeah it's it's a convent or some sort of mission but it is christian yeah, yeah. It's, it's a christian place yeah so i see you have a lot of notes on that page do you want to kind of uh tell us what you heard yeah then- absolutely happy to recap here yeah so first off i have the darjeeling limited which is named after the train in the film just a coincidence that it's the same name for the film and the train. Yeah, well, how about uh, that? Worked out. It's a Wes Anderson movie, which I've highlighted about six or seven times because yeah. that's the number one thing that I took away from this, that this yep. is a Wes Anderson film. Uh, so it's dark, people with a lot of problems. It's an adventure movie and very detailed visuals, which Andrew thinks that I should do a non-close uh, narration, no penetration into the character's mind to get right. those visuals as across. Cin- as cinematic a view as you can accomplish in prose. Yes, so I can consider ways of doing that. Uh, but mostly this is about the three brothers, the Whitman brothers, who are reuniting a year after their father's death in India. You have Francis, who's Owen Wilson, who I'm going to work on my own Wilson impression for because that's wow. very important. And he's secretly trying to get them to see their mother, and that's the purpose of this journey, although ostensibly the journey is to reconnect and reconnect with their spirituality in India, even though these are a bunch of rich jerks uh, who <laughs> all hate each other and don't actually want to reconnect. Yep. So there's Peter, who's the middle child. He's Adrian Brody. He's resentful of Francis, and he is uh, going to be a father. His wife is pregnant back in New York. And he doesn't know what to think about that because they has dad issues because the dead dad wasn't a great dad and they didn't get along well. And he's also stolen all of the dad's old things and is wearing them in a kind of creepy way. Um, Jack, who is the youngest, is a playboy. He's uh, been with Natalie Portman on and off and is trying to meet up with her again after this trip. But he's trying to date everyone along, and Eric thinks he is the worst person. Uh, He's also a short story writer, which is about the worst thing you can write into a film when you're a writer is writing about someone who is a writer. So as a sham fiction, I'll make sure to write that in as well. Good, 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 good. And yeah, it's just about this this family who's abusing the culture and not really taking part in it. They're fish out of water, and they expect things to be done for them probably because they're rich and awful. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, that's that's about what I got here. Got a few other notes, but I think that'll cover it. I can get started with that. Yeah, for Lots sure. Lots of scheming. Yeah, and I'm very excited to see you re- uh, write this because I feel like you you do a good job at at writing this kind of simmering under the surface darkness, these problems that these people have. So I'm so excited to see your take on this sort of story. Um, Would you like to hear some bonus points from us? I would love some bonus points. Alright, so mine uh, is going to just be about that uh, texture and that that, uh, setting. I want you to make me feel India. India is such an important backdrop for this film. Um, The vibrancy and the color of this place is is, the life of this place that is such a juxtaposition to the brothers and how they live and how they operate. So just really get into that detail. I want to, I want to feel the place Yeah, and you'll get the points from me. Cool. And to kind of jump off of that, uh, my bonus points would be like having one of the brothers make a vulgar comment about that said beauty or like things like they look at this, the Indian people or they look at like the culture and they're like, that's stupid or that's weird you know just like something like just describe them just completely non-appreciative there's this one of my favorite moments in the film is they're watching these little boys cross a river on a rope bridge oh yeah and and, and, and Owen Wilson just perks up look at these assholes (laughs) that's great you know there is a bit of an appreciation though like there's at least some surface level thing especially with Francis where he's like oh this place is beautiful you know he'll say that um and yet there's just kind of this disconnect. Um, but there are just fun moments, too, where they're, like, watching these kids who are playing cricket um, on the street. And they're like, are they using a tennis ball? <laughs> and just, you know, funny little comment. And then they hit the ball and it goes soaring across town. You know, yeah. Just great. Because if you hit a cricket bat against a tennis ball, it'll yeah, go it's gonna crazy far. Yeah. yeah, so that sort of thing where they're kind of scoffing at a lot yeah. of the things that are happening around them. Uh, that that is played for comedy very much. My I, I, or, or this will be an or bonus point. I would love to hear like you mentioned one of Jack's stories. Like Jack recites a bit of one of his stories. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah a little be... a little prose from a character in your prose. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that. Yeah. So you don't have to hit both of those things, but I think the the one the first one kind of feeds off Eric's in a way. Um, but that other one would be a lot of fun too. 
Fantastic. Excellent. I'm very excited, guys. I'm going to go right, get a lot to go off of. Maybe I'll uh, hop on a train and do this one. Really get on the road. Not a bad idea. I mean, in the next five minutes, that is. No, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, good luck. We'll see you soon. Hey, podcast people. If you like subscribing to things, I highly suggest you subscribe to Sham Fiction. Even if you don't like subscribing, it's, it's a good habit to get into. Why? Because when you subscribe, you'll get a new episode of Sham Fiction delivered straight to your magical pocket device every single Sunday. If you're feeling generous, you could rate our show as well. Either way, subscribing on iTunes is the best way to tell us that you're listening to Sham Fiction, and that helps us out greatly. So thanks for listening to the show. I hope you're enjoying it. Let's get back to it. Andrew McNeil. Uh, while Marcus is writing his version of Darjeeling Limited, we should talk. We got a yes, prediction segment to take care of. Uh, yes, so I want to know, uh, Marcus Mann plus Wes Anderson, what's going to happen? What do you think? Yeah, so Marcus, I wouldn't consider Marcus a Wes Anderson fan. I don't, I don't recall if he said that outright in the beginning segments, but he's not the biggest fan. Um, yeah, that's fair. So I think we're going to get some Marcus tongue-in-cheek material here. Um, him kind of ribbing Wes Anderson. <laughs> like and just being snarky about yeah, the Wes Anderson I think, elements. I think we're going to get a little snark here. And I think we're going to get that in the form of him writing very tersely and very just, just very droll, you know, quick. I think uh, he's even going to kind of adopt a voice, you know, where it's just like kind of a monotone. Thing for his prose, like I'm kind oh, of sure. picturing like a kind of a mimicry in sure, that. That makes sense. Like the yeah. prose is being written by Alec Baldwin or read by Alec Baldwin, but he's kind of bored. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what right. I'm imagining here. That's that's my prediction. That's good. That's fair. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know really what to expect from this. We we told him uh, a fair amount about the actual story about the three brothers. Uh, and about the actors who portrayed the three brothers. So I guess at best, I'm just hoping for uh, something from Owen Wilson. Okay. Uh, so so Francis in the in this, I, I just want him to say wow. Just give a good <laughs> Owen Wilson. Oh wow. Oh, oh wow. wow. Oh wow. <laughs> so if we can get a good oh wow, I'll be happy. Oh, and that's, that's it. good. That'll be that he'll get the secret bonus points. He'll win the day for me. That's it. That's all I, it takes. I think it's pretty. I, I'm pretty confident that he's gonna hit that. because uh, I think he enjoyed the <laughs> oh wow. I think he enjoys himself an oh wow. <laughs> it's a connoisseur of Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Oh wow. Yep. All right, let's bring him in. Let's hear this. Let's thing. do it. Yes. Hey guys, I am back. I have been writing with Jack Whitman, and we came up with a story for y'all that is not at all based on his life, and I'm excited to share it with you. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I realize that that promo kind of makes it sound like this is just going to be Jack fiction, which it's not. Oh. I did consider doing that, but this is actually going to be Darjeeling prose. Oh, that's good. You know, uh, one day we have to do the uh, the prose written by character in the thing we're shamming. It'll happen. We've had opportunities. We didn't do it. Yeah. We didn't do it. Bob's Burgers last week. We didn't do Darjeeling. We got a taste yet. last week. That was good. Yeah, we got a little Getting bit a little, of it. We little got a friend little. fiction. <laughs> so if we can get, I mean, I, I, I won't even ask any more questions. I'm, I'm holding out hope we might hear a little something. But, you know, don't All tell right. me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm just going to read the thing. At least you'll have heard the thing, and then we can talk about the thing that I read. <laughs> that sounds That's like how this works. game is played. <laughs> yeah. I just want to make sure everyone is comfortable with the format after 20-some episodes. <laughs> All right, take it away. The Darjeeling Limited, written by Marcus Mann, having not seen the Darjeeling Limited. Spending a week in the presidential suite of the Darjeeling Limited cost more than six times the average yearly income of a worker in India. The suite was designed to make the passengers feel like princes, with lavish furniture embroidered in gold. Some of the works of art that hung on the walls also cost more than the average yearly income of a worker in India. 
The suite had two bedrooms, three beds, two couches, a dining room with six chairs, and two bathrooms with full-size showers. It was extravagant beyond the means of most of the billion people native to the land the train barreled through, as it took tourists to monuments of historical and religious importance that had stood for hundreds of years. Francis, Peter, and Jack Whitman could not agree on many things, accepting their general desire not to be around each other more than absolutely necessary. They did, however, agree that the presidential suite of the Darjeeling Limited was a little small for their liking. <laughs> they had had the option of booking additional suites, but the train only had one presidential suite, and none of the brothers were willing to have lesser accommodations than the others. And so it was at their pilgrimage through India that they were unhappily confined to one of the finest rail suites known to the modern world. <laughs> On the third day of their journey, around meditation time, the train came to an unexpected stop about 100 yards away from Agrafront or Agrafort train station. A knock came from the door, and Francis, the eldest brother, was the first to respond. He shouted, Brandon! And the knocking stopped. The porter whose duty it was to inform the passengers of the presidential suite of any interruptions in service was led away from the suite by Francis's assistant, Brandon. <laughs> and Francis returned to his meditation, where he was immediately interrupted by his two brothers, Peter and Jack. Why did we stop? I was writing about a character riding on a train, and now we're stopped on a train, Jack said. It's not the same. <laughs> Close your eyes, Francis said, and look around you. Maybe you could imagine the train is still going. That would require you to write an original thought, Peter said. <laughs> Why are we stopped? Isn't Brandon supposed to alert us of any changes in itinerary? Jack said, ignoring his brother's barb. Brandon is supposed to remain out of sight at all times, Francis said. But I'm sure he will. Yes. Francis's cell phone chimed, and he pulled it out to read the message. Brandon says that we are stopped very near the station due to a mechanical issue on the tracks. Hmm. How near? Jack asked. We could just check out the window, Peter said. He looked a lot like their late father when he said it, and not just because he was wearing a gray suit and glasses that had belonged to their old man. Francis gave up any hopes of returning to his meditation at this point and lowered his arms. He stood and walked over to his window, where he easily swung it open. He pulled a tasseled dressing bench over from the foot of his bed and stepped onto it so he could peer out of the side of the train. Oh, wow, he said. <laughs> you can see the station from here. <laughs> That's not a measure of distance, Jack said. I can see across the Milky Way on a clear night. It's daytime. The station's not that far away, Francis said. He stepped down from the dressing bench and moved it back to the end of the bed. Why'd you move that? Jack said. What if I wanted to look? <laughs> it's the only thing tying this ridiculous room together. It's feng shui. <laughs> That's Chinese, Jack said. Come on, Peter. He turned to leave. He's right. It is Chinese, Peter said. He had pulled out a cell phone and wasn't looking at the other two. Ignoring the brothers was just like their father, but their father generally would have had a cigar in his hand instead of a cell phone. Jack walked past Peter out of the bedroom, and Peter followed, leaving Francis sitting alone in his bandages, perfectly framed in the middle of the doorway. <laughs> Jack sat across from Peter on their twin beds in the suite's second bedroom. Their profiles aligned perfectly with the doorway. I think this is it for me, Jack said. This is the end of the line. Whatever we're doing here, I'm done. I'm sure they'll fix the problem soon, Peter said. She's going to be in Italy soon. What about Dad, Peter said, taking off their father's glasses. Sure, Francis is Francis, but we're here for Dad, aren't we? I came here for Dad, Jack said, but it's time I leave. For her. The two brothers <laughs> sat in silence that echoed the entirety of their year's communication since the funeral. At last, Peter spoke. Alice is pregnant. You already told me, Jack said. <laughs> oh, Peter said. Right. They returned to their silence. A shout from Francis pulled them out a few minutes later. A few minutes after that, they went to his room. When Peter and Jack made their way into their brother's room, they were greeted by the sight of a young Indian boy who had climbed up the side of the train and popped his head through the window. <laughs> Hello, friends of the scary face man, the boy said. If you give me your bags, I will take them to the station. I already told you no, Francis said. We don't have any bags. In fact, their father's full 11-piece luggage set was under the strict supervision of Brandon, who would hire locals to carry the baggage around whenever they had to leave the train. Only five American dollars. Me and my friends are strong. They lifted me up here. Who knows when the train will go away again? Go away, Francis said. 
We're trying to experience your country and we don't need any help. No. <laughs> no, Aladdin's right, Jack said. We have no idea when the train's going to move again. I am Ravi, the boy said. I'm going with you, kid. I'll be your baggage. Jack walked over and moved the dressing bench to under the window. Hey, my feng shui, Francis said. <laughs> That is Chinese, said the boy. <laughs> Jack stood up on the dressing bench, and in a moment, a moment later, the boy and his friends had pulled him through. Silence entered the space where Jack had been, as Francis and Peter were left alone together. Fine, Peter said after some time. Alice is pregnant. Wow, Francis said. <laughs> That's it? That's all you can say, hearing you're going to be an uncle? I already knew about it, Pete. I read it in one of Jack's stories. Oh, Peter said. My characters are based in fiction, came a shout from outside the train. Francis and Peter both stood evenly spaced on the bench to look down at their brother, covered in mud outside the train. Yeah, Jack said. Aladdin took my wallet and ran away. Anyway, the station just is just about 100 yards away. Want to come out here and we can see the Taj Mahal? Dad always never talked about seeing it. I'm sure we'll fix the train soon. Why don't you come back up? Francis said. Jack looked down the tracks and up to his brothers. All right. With some effort, Francis and Peter were able to pull Jack back up onto the train. Exhausted from the ordeal and the encounter with the local child, the three brothers stopped fighting for a moment and decided to meditate in their rooms, which quickly turned to sleeping. By the time they <laughs> woke, the train had been fixed and left the station to make up for lost time. The change in itinerary was noted in the updated schedules that Brandon printed, laminated, and slid under the doors in the night. Later, Jack would write a story about the incident that he would claim was entirely original. In that story, as in real life, the characters would be woefully unaware of the opportunity they had missed in passing by a chance to see the beautiful red walls of Agra Fort and the brilliant golden spires of the Taj Mahal. In their defense, they would have hated the crowds. The end. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that was good. I enjoyed oh, that you. immensely. Gosh, thank that's you. fun. Oh, you did you you did so much that was so Wes Anderson that I, I have to appreciate. I have to have to give you credit for the perfect framing <laughs> and amazing cinematography. That's uh, oh, thank you. The symmetry I, of the frame. I really that. felt that. Yeah. Oh <laughs> goodness, that uh, those those little details when you added those in, I was like, he couldn't help it. He could not help himself. I, I could not help it. <laughs> And that is something Andrew predicted that you would yep. you would have some little little barbs for the Wes Anderson <laughs> yep. fans in us. Yep, that was Maybe my secret did. bonus points, which you hit by doing that. <laughs> Woo! I resist. You and know I, it too well. And I gotta say, you also got my secret bonus points with oh wow, <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> you did it, you did it twice. It's the only way I can come anywhere close to an Owen Wilson impression. No, I have to I, premise everything I, with. Wow. I loved your Owen Wilson. You did fantastic the whole <laughs> way through. It's just nasally and annoying and perfect. Thank you. Uh, I knew who was talking. That's the thing. I always knew when Francis was talking because That's your good. voice was so good. <laughs> and oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just love I, it so much. <laughs> I watched I watched a supercut of Owen Wilson saying wow for about three minutes. <laughs> Which, if you haven't watched that before, uh, treat yourself. Of, of course that exists. Yeah. Oh, that's too good. That is too good. So, so yeah, Andrew, yeah, reactions, I, I, I want to, uh, I want to comment a little bit on this. So, I really liked, those, those little, you know, I'll, I'll call them loving jabs at uh, Wes Anderson's uh, cinematic style aside, I did think that there were some things that I that I really liked in terms of the detail work that you used. Um, the beginning especially was fabulous. Even just in the rhythm of the way you listed things felt like without being self-aware or like, you know, in the prose, they felt of the rhythm of Anderson's work, you know, showing these objects around the room with their detail. And I am glad that you paid specific mind to the location because locations are so important in his work. His settings are so vibrant and so detailed that to not mention anything would be a huge misstep. 
and you satisfied that very well. Yeah, I, I made a, a comment beforehand in the prediction segment where I was like, uh, where because Andrew had predicted that the prose was going to be like this, or he was hoping that it was going to be like this. And I had mentioned that, oh, well, just imagine Alec Baldwin reading this in kind of a bored voice. <laughs> and when the prose actually started, you started describing the train car and the details of the furniture and all that stuff. I immediately fell into Alec Baldwin reading this, and he's kind of bored. And it was... Perfect. It just dropped me right into Wes Anderson. Very well done. Thank you. I wish I wish Alec Baldwin was reading this. Oh, you, we don't need him. You've done great. <laughs> I'll also, we need Alec Baldwin. I'll yeah. also briefly comment on that my favorite exchange in the piece that felt most like something that Anderson and his co-writers would do was the alone time between Jack and Peter. Um, again, the terseness of that conversation, the use of... Um, I'll just silence and just kind of droll, you know, just somebody just all of a sudden says something kind of important, you know, just immediately with, with when out Peter of the said, blue. yeah, just out of the blue, something very important. And then a character reacting, you know, just kind of like nonplussed was, <laughs> was just dead on. Like it, the timing of that was perfect. The timing of that. And when, uh, I almost said Owen Wilson, but when Francis says, Hey, my feng shui. Like that was, that was like <laughs> the exact type of Anderson joke. Like just like <laughs> the comment like that, the, just a call out like that, was really on the nose. Yeah, it's such a hard thing to do too. So I'm very impressed uh, that you managed to hit that, Marcus, because there is a rhythm to Wes Anderson's dialogue that I think you did manage to get very well. They're like it's full of non sequiturs. It's full of like uh, Andrew said, like nonplussed reactions. Um, a couple of the lines I loved the most that felt most true to Wes Anderson's style was when uh, when Francis moved the the bench back away from the window, and Jack said, "Why'd you move that?" <laughs> <laughs> just that that little thing what if i wanted to look out the window like that is so wes anderson <laughs> it's like it means nothing to the scene it means nothing to the world it's just this reaction from a character that couldn't that uh, it's just yeah it's great loved it uh my other favorite line again from jack i think jack was the most spot on here was i came here for dad but now i'm leaving for her <laughs> like it's straight up uh like theatrical in the way that only wes anderson can do it's like as if this was a play that a character in his story had written and that's the line he's delivering now so yeah jack's been thinking about that one for a while (laughs) oh yeah yes he has yeah so let's hear about your process marcus what do you yeah i have to talk about it uh just going off that thought immediately when I was writing these lines for Jack, I just had the impression that he was going to write them down. Like, he's like, oh, that would be good for a story. Or that should be the title of my next story. Sure. That's, <laughs> so, that's perfect. I thought about trying to include some of that in the prose, but it, it didn't make its way in. But I'm glad <laughs> that you, you saw that as these were the overly dramatic lines. Yep. And Very good. Yeah, so this process, I did a little research. I did listen to the soundtrack like you suggested. So that was fun getting in the sense of that music and that culture. Good. I researched uh, the Darjeeling Limited is loosely based here on the Maharaja's Express, which is a train that has a presidential suite that costs about $24,000 for a week. Wow. Oh, wow. The the yearly income, average yearly income in India is about $3,500 US dollars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cats. So I just... You know, I didn't like any of these characters. <laughs> you described <laughs> them. They they seemed like they're just these selfish, spoiled people mm-hmm. that yeah. can really weigh down Wes Anderson movies for me. Uh, so the ones like the Royal Tenenbaums that are about those types of people, I don't like as much as things like Mr. Fox or Life Aquatic or, you know, his last couple were a bit more fun too, I think. The uh, Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest. But so I was just like, what is... Let's give these guys the best that India has to offer and make them miserable about it. And that was where I wanted to start with this. Um, then That's I also good. figured out the location. You know, I had a lot more research on Agra Fort and the Taj Mahal that I didn't actually get to include. Um, but 
early on I came up with the idea that Jack was going to go out the window and that <laughs> this this whole thing is like they're literally 100 yards away from the train station, which why would you not just get out <laughs> if yeah. you had the ability to? Uh, so it, it was it was fun. I, I think that I, in the opening, really did try to get that dry setting of Wes Anderson, described some details in a very kind of detached way. Uh, I think there is a sort of storytelling narrative nature to a lot of his pieces where you get the pop-up titles and stuff, and I thought about doing something with that. And then just the, yeah, those little exchanges where no one cares about what anyone else is saying um, (laughs) were something that I (laughs) tried to to get across here. Yeah, came across very well. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It It was another one that was tricky for me because... These do feel a lot more like they're slice of life things, and I really like writing a strong, uh, progressive narrative story. So it's fun to have that challenge, uh, but you know, I, I'd rather put some lightsabers in here. <laughs> oh, naturally. Yeah, so yeah. overall, um, I was most impressed, I think, by your style. The, the voice that you used was definitely different. It's something we haven't quite seen from you before, Marcus. So being able to kind of delve into a different style and specifically a Wes Anderson style, um, I think was a good challenge for you. It, um, it definitely worked out. Like you, you, I, I heard the different voice. I heard, uh, the, the richness of the descriptions, all fantastic. Um, from a story point of view, um, I, I liked how you moved the, or how a structure point of view, rather. I liked how you moved it, where we had a scene with all three, and then you split into two, and then you split into another two, all within the same uh, moment, where we didn't have a break in time, but we continued a scene and split it to uh, multiple scenes within the same scene. Um, I think that was fun. I think that did very well. Um, as far as story goes, however, um, I thought it was... It, it's a, it was a great glimpse into a moment in the film, but it wasn't mm-hmm. its own self-contained story, which I think right. is fine. Um, uh, if I was giving you a score, which I am, because that's how the show works. <laughs> hey, um, how about that? I would, I would knock you just a little bit just because we didn't have a lot of um, big resolutions. Um, there were some, I think, uh, minor decisions that were made by the characters throughout. But for the most part, there's a stasis. Um, mm-hmm. And so I could have used a little more there. Um, but just if the assignment is write a scene from this movie, I think you got full, full points. And, cool. uh, and I really enjoyed it. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I really don't have too much criticism. I think for what you decided to do as like a stylistic challenge, you, you got it. You did well. And I can't fault you for it. Thank you. Well, and, and Andrew had said specifically to not do any deep penetration in this to the character's thoughts, keep it very surface level. Yeah. And I made a very conscious effort to do that, to do this more... It's omniscient, but it, it doesn't have any real penetration to any of the character's thoughts. Yeah, it's, it's very, very cinematic. cinematic. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that was, I appreciate that was a fun that. challenge. I was, I was glad that you... Uh, you know, went with that challenge that you that you embraced that. That was very welcome. Again, something different um, than mm-hmm. anything you or I think any of us had done previously um, on the show. So, uh, but yeah, Eric, I just uh, since you were kind of we got into your thoughts, I just wanted to say another thing. Your bonus points um, with it feeling like India. Did you feel For like sure. that was captured in this piece? No, um, you don't get my bonus points on this one. I thought your descriptions in general were very strong, very colorful. Um, you mm-hmm. described this cabin, this presidential suite uh, very well. I could definitely picture it. I knew the feel. I knew what we were talking about. You did great. But they, they didn't leave the train. Right. Um, and so there wasn't a chance to see the country. They talk about it and they don't appreciate it, which is very, very uh, true to the source material. But they didn't go out. So we didn't get to actually feel India. So you don't get my bonus points, unfortunately. That's fair. So you did get my bonus points um, in that very, very... Um, <laughs> uh, I, it wasn't necessarily vulgar, but it was very insensitive remark about the little Indian boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> calling him Aladdin. Calling him Aladdin. <laughs> which was just terrible and, just, and great. You know, it, it was of the characters, them saying something terrible and just, again, insensitive and uninformed. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I don't know if it was just my, the sound quality through my headphones here, or if it was uh, the voice that you chose to do for little uh, Ravi, was it? I, I'm sorry. I, I, Ravi, yeah. Yep, little Ravi. Um, it sounded more like a little Mexican boy than an Indian boy uh, <laughs> to me. I the same thing. I love the same thing. I said, <laughs> you know where boy, from. <laughs> Indian boy sounds Mexican. <laughs> Do you know Ravi? <laughs> it's true. It's true. We don't say anything. We don't say it. But uh, no, the, I, the, the voice aside, the, the little comment about calling him Aladdin was just tip, it was uh, horrible. And thank you for doing it. Um, didn't get any of Jack's stories, but again, we got a, a little mention of his story about mm-hmm, writing the about them on the train, which was very self-aware and very fun. Um, but I'm going to be with Eric on this. I didn't feel a very strong sense of a journey even though they're on a train, um, there was no propulsive. There was no propulsive action to this. Um, the characters were very, you know, they were how we described them, but you didn't imbue them with any growth. Which I will argue, this film, more than his others, has more of a growth to the characters. Um, they do learn to be less selfish. You know, these they don't just stay where they're at. They grow as people as a result of the actions of this story. Um, sure. But I will agree with Eric that this felt as like a scene, you know, early on in the movie when these guys are just, com- just don't care. They're no more worried about themselves. They haven't learned their lesson. But this, <laughs> you did not, you so you chose to keep just keep it there instead of choosing more of a changing moment. And... I think I deep down I wanted more of that, and I think I would have that would have been um, again just because we're trying to tell stories more um, a, a stronger choice um, to have gone in something in that route, have it be a more of a journey and a moment of growth. Sure. So points? Are we at points time? Oh, I think it's points time. All right. Um, uh, so you don't get my uh, my bonus points. Uh, so I'm I'm only docking you one. I think that's kind of combined with the lack of propulsion uh, as far as storytelling, uh, the story drive, and the the growth and the change, all that good stuff. Uh, it's still a very good score. I'm giving you ten out of eleven uh, pieces of the matched luggage. <laughs> that's good. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good metric. Uh, so for me. Um... So I just I I don't want to repeat the stuff that I just said since it was two seconds ago. Uh, but given <laughs> all I just said, um, that I've already forgotten. I've already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going to give you sixteen out of twenty cars on the Darjeeling Limited. Ooh, nice, very nice. So Thank you. Uh, you Thank did you. you did very well. Uh, this so one was what, a lot what of was fun. There, sorry, I just had to ask a couple questions. What was their accommodations like in the actual film? And did they visit the Taj Mahal? Uh, I'll answer this. Um, their accommodations were not quite as ritzy as as you wrote. They, they mm-hmm. definitely have a suite. Um, mm-hmm. And most people on the plane, or on the plane, on the train... Uh, are more they're in steerage they're you know they're kind of piled sure. up together um but they are in their own nice little suite but it's not as nice as you described like not go not gilded in the way right. that you said um and, w- and what was the second part did they visit the taj mahal yeah they did not different part of india uh okay. they didn't see any any touristy destinations it was more real india sort of thing cool yep but yeah. Okay, so if you want to watch this movie, and Eric and I would highly recommend it. Oh, yes. Um, the Darjeeling Limited is available for rent on all the major streaming services, Amazon Video, Google Play, YouTube, iTunes. And you can also check it out on Blu-ray and DVD. It, the Criterion Collection released it um, recently, and it is a stunning transfer and has a lot of really great supplements as the Criterion Collection delivers all the time. So if you love it, or if you if you watch it and you love it, pick that up. It is well worth it. 
Yeah. All so right, that's buddy. it. That's it. Thanks a lot for the story, Marcus. It was fun. Happened too. Yeah. I enjoyed let's, it. Let's take a train ride sometime, guys. Let's do sham fiction on the rails. <laughs> sham fiction on a train special. <laughs> sham fiction like on the it. train. Yeah, Yay. why not? Why not? <laughs> Uh, and if uh, you have any other ideas for special episodes in the future, audience, just drop us a line. Where you know you can contact us at shamfiction.com. You'll find it. It's it's a nice little place. You can listen to all the sham fictions. You can read all the sham fictions. You can see how uh, how he uh, Marcus spelled uh, whatever that little boy's name, whatever the Mexican boy's name was. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> These are the goodies that You're you right, get. The Ravi spinoff. Uh, yeah. There you go. These are the goodies you get when you visit the website. So do that. Uh, tune in again next week. We'll have another great episode for you. And uh, anything else? Did I cover Thanks it? Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, Thanks, sure. everybody. Bye. See you next week. Bye-bye. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Hey Sham Nerds, Andrew here. Next week on the show, I'll have this amazing app idea to pitch to you. All the big companies, Google, Apple, Facebook, Uber, are like totally going to be freaking out about it. It's going to have VCs all over town calling me 24 hours a day begging to invest. It's going to be impossible to live without. It's going to revolutionize how we use technology in our lives. But above all, it's going to make the world a better place. And I can't wait to tell you about it next time on Sham Fiction.